Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Let's read our opening text and then we'll pray and then let's just believe God for what he has for us today. How many of you believe he has something for you today? Amen. I've always said this, if God could use a donkey to talk to Balaam, he can use me to talk to you. Amen? Amen. John chapter 13, verse 34 says, And a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. Let's pray before we get started. Father, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you uh, that it gives us uh, the, the path and the, 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 that we should walk on in life. It gives us the direction and the places where we need to be sure that our feet trod. And it gives us knowledge and understanding of who you are and who you've called us to be. And so I just ask you to anoint my lips to speak. Make my tongue as the pen that you would write with upon the hearts of people. Uh, and I just thank you for uh, anything that I've planned to say that's just me, that, that you just eliminate it and that only the things that you would have us here this morning would come forth. And I'll just give you all the praise and thanks for it. Thank you for showing up, Holy Spirit. Thank you for showing up, Jesus, and teaching us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, as I said, I'm just simply titling this series, Love, and you know, there's nothing greater, I said this last week, and I'll probably say this every week, um, there's nothing greater that we can study than to pursue and to know how to uh, know God's love and to show God's love to others. There's nothing greater in the world. People get excited many times when you talk about, you know, you're going to do a service on miracles or you're going to do a service on the moving of the Spirit or you're going to have a dynamic praise and worship service. You know, other people get really excited when you talk about, you know, we're going to teach on how to recognize and realize your dream and fulfill your potential in life. And, uh, you know, there are other people that get excited. We're going to talk about, you know, leadership and how to be a great leader. You know, I think it's interesting of all the leadership conferences, but I don't see a lot of servant conferences, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, but so people get excited about those things. And I, and I believe part of the reason we get excited about those things, it's not all bad, right? Those things are all good. Uh, but sometimes I think it, it, at the core of why we get excited about those things is because of self, because we have such a perspective and such a viewpoint of life through the lens of ourself. And, and, as, and as I think about this series, what this series is really about is about the love of God. It's learning to live your life in a manner that doesn't think of you first. <laughs> and, and that's so contrary to the world around us. And so, you know, uh, this should be a topic that is... Uh, you know, the most important thing we seek. Why? Because Jesus told us this is the commandment I'm giving you, right? This is what I'm calling you to do. You know, what we'll find to be true is that if we learn to walk in the love of God and show the love of God and, and be an example of the love of Jesus, everything else in the scripture takes care of itself. It truly is the key to fulfilling the purpose of God in your life. And so knowing and showing the love of God should be our number one pursuit. It should be, I mean, you know, when we hear about learning about this, it should cause us on the end of side to go, oh, that's awesome because that is what I want more than anything, right? And so we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 1. It says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your great quest. And so this love should be the quest of our life. 
It should be the thing that we seek. You know, so many people are looking for happiness. They're looking for relationships. They're looking for careers. But what this says is that your quest in life is to pursue and to fulfill and to realize the love of God in your life. Now, now why does he tell us that? So that we're just minions of his love? No, he tells us that because this love, whether you realize it or not, is the key to life. It is the key to the life of God. It is the key to the life to which God created us to experience. And, and so I would ask you the question as we, we, we sort of at the outset, just the second message of this series, if you never realized your gifting in life, if you never fulfilled your lifelong dream or what your you know, forefront goal is, if you never saw another miracle, if you never had another answer to prayer, but you grew in the love of God, would you consider your life a success? Would you be willing to say, I'm willing to put that in front of all of the others? Because that's really what love is all about. It's, you know, it should be our top quest. It should be, you know, this is what I get up every day for, as I said last week. It's the greatest, why? Because it's the greatest way for us to, first of all, by us walking in that love and, and, and understanding that love, it's the greatest way, number one, for us to know God. And He's the one who created us. He's the one that, you know, you know everybody talks about this God-shaped, you know, all of us have a God-shaped hole on the inside of us. It's drawing us towards all the different things that we try to find satisfaction from, but, but that God-shaped hole can only be filled by a God-shaped God. And so, and so uh, the, the, this love, that pursuing His love and, and understanding it and showing it to others, it is the key to us being everything and being satisfied in life. And so it's something we should pursue above all else. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7 and 8 lets us know that that's the only way for us to know God. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. Notice what it says, and knows God. You know, it's always what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? Did God love us and so we love everybody else, or do we love like God loves and then we know Him? Well, I think it's both. <laughs> I think what this verse is telling us is that, you know, we love others because he first loved us. And I'm going to talk about that near the end of my message. There's an experience we need to have with his love if we want to be able to love others. But what this verse also says is, is when you love others, when you show others what his love really is, and I'm not talking about love like the world says it, right? We're going to define in this series what love is. But when we love like he loves, then what happens is, is we grow to know him experientially, See, that word know, that word know there in that verse is the word epignosis. It's, a, it's an Aramaic Greek word. And that word epignosis means we experiential have experiential knowledge of it, right? You know, you can have head knowledge of something. You know, um, you know um, uh, Zach and Liz, uh, if you didn't know, they got engaged a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, it's tradition at times for, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, groom's uh, a family to take care of the, you know, the, the, the dinner, the rehearsal dinner, and then the honeymoon. So, um, and so me and Delise have been researching some honeymoons for them, and, you know, one of the things they really wanted to do was go to Barbados. 
And so we researched that, and I found this place. It looked great and everything, and so uh, I saw it online, and, 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 and it's great. So we, we, we decided we're going to bite the bullet and do this for them. And so, so they're going to be going to Barbados after their wedding next, next, next fall. And so excited about that for them. But here's the deal. You know, after I, 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 I sent them the links to so this is where you're going, they spent time looking at it and everything. And I don't know about Liz, but I know Zach did. He spent hours looking at it. Look at all we can do. This is going to be fun, you know. Um, and, but how many of you realize that's just head knowledge of what they're going to experience? But once the honeymoon's there and they, they're, they're on the honeymoon and they're doing all the different things that you, you do on a honeymoon, right? How many of you realize all of a sudden it ain't head knowledge no more, it's experiential knowledge? And that's what this verse is saying. It's saying when you walk in and show the love of God to others through you, even through your own actions, you're experiencing and coming to understand who God is. You can't know him without doing that. And so what that verse says, it says, it says everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God. Who does not love does not know God because God is love. So what it says is, is that when we're, we're displaying love, that's how we get to know him. And not only that, but it's also through showing that love, it's the only way the world will know what he's like. John chapter 6 and verse 35 says, Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. It's as we love each other and as we show that, that God kind of love to the world around us that people experience God as he wants them to experience him. It's how they come to know him. Notice it's not, not by how much we lift our hands or experience great worship. It's not how uh, much we experience spiritual gifting and see supposed moves of the Spirit in our midst. It's not how much we expound the Word with great revelation knowledge, and it's not how great we make the outward trappings of the building that, got, that we're in right now. Although, how many realize we've got a building fund? But how many realize finishing that building is not how we're going to reach a world? That's just something we're trying to do to make it nice for people because we do love them, Right? Well, what's going to change people? What's going to cause people to experience God? It's not a building. It's how much we love them and express that we love them. It's by getting out there on a hot Saturday morning and giving them something to say, hey, we just, we just want to take some time out of our Saturday to let you know we love you. No pressure. We're not going to try to put you in a corner and cram the gospel down your throat unless you're asking for it. We're just going to give you an invitation to come to the dinner, come to the supper, come to the party. Amen? That's what Jesus told us to do, go on the highways and byways and, and compel them to come in. Just to let them know we love them. And so it's through those expressions of love that others come to know Jesus. It's by showing forth our love for one another that men come to know God. The magnitude to which we experience God is not by how many great musicians we have. The magnitude by which we experience God is not by the great finish that we have on our building. It's none of those things. The magnitude to which people experience God will be how great the love is we have for them when they walk in these doors, no matter what door they walk through. It's, it's, it's creating a, a tangible experience for people that, that, that allows them to truly feel, we love you. We care about you. And so, and so we're encouraged, and this series we're talking about growing in love. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 9, we read this last week. It says, but concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. So he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, and he said, I don't need to. How many of you have heard messages on love before? How many of you have heard songs about all we need is love? Wah, 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 wah. 
right? We've all heard expressions of what love is. He says, I don't have, you know, he says, but concerning brotherly love, I have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. And indeed you do toward all the brethren, but we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. What was he saying? He was saying that even though you've heard it all before, we're going to urge you to grow in it. And so one of the things I said last week at the end of this series, at the end of the message was, is that this series will be one of the most challenging series you ever hear. Why? Because you're going to be challenged to grow in love. And anytime things grow, anytime things, any growth takes place, how many of you are growth makes, it changes things. It, it, it requires change to grow. I mean, I don't look like I did when I was 12 years old. I wish I did sometimes. I was thinner, less wrinkles, right? I mean, you know, you ain't redeemed from getting older, right? You might be redeemed from the curse of the law and sickness, but you ain't redeemed from getting older, right? That's just part of happening in life, right? But so, so I mean, but, but as, I, as I grew, right, I changed. And positive change typically is hard, and so as we look at this series, it's going to be a challenging series. You're going to be challenged to listen to this series, and I encouraged you last week to make a commitment that I'm going, to, I'm going to plug in. I'm going to listen to these. I'm going to be here for these so that at the end of this series, I'm a different person. Somebody said, well, I sort of like who I am. Well, that's fine that you like who you are. I like who you are too. I love you. But we can all grow and we can do better and we can be more like Jesus. And so we're going to be challenged to change our attitudes. We're going to be challenged to change the paths that we've chosen to walk with our life sometimes. We're going to be challenged to change our habits and our patterns of thinking. We're going to be challenged to change our, some, maybe for some of us, our entire outlook on life. To change the entire thing that we're pursuing in life. There may be some of us here that really need to make a heartfelt change and this is the pursuit of my life instead of something, right? To even redefine in our lives what real success means because I can tell you this, real success means this. If you never achieve nothing else for the kingdom of God other than growing in the love of God and loving others, you will have succeeded in your Christian walk. All the rest is just outward trappings. So let me show you something about the difficulty of this process, because I want you to see this. I don't want to candy coat this. How many of you realize when Jesus called his disciples to follow him, he didn't say, follow me and everything's going to be all right. He didn't. Although he said, in the world you're going to have trouble, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world, but he also said, follow me and people are going to use you, people are going to abuse you, people are going to treat you bad. How's that for a calling card? Come eat over here because it's going to be a horrible experience. But that's sort of what Jesus said. <laughs> he really did. 1 John chapter 13 and verse 1, he said, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels but have not love, this is what Paul said, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Notice the first three verses, he redefines for us what love is not. 
He said, love is not spiritual gifting. Love is not mountain-moving faith. Love is not grand gestures of charity if there's not love involved in it. He redefined and said, love is none of those things. Then he, then he goes on to tell us, but this is what love is. Love suffers long. You know, I think about that for a minute. The first quality he uses to define love is love suffers. Got that in your promise box this morning from Pastor Tommy. If you love, you're going to suffer. <laughs> Nobody running for the doors. Maybe you just don't want anybody to know. But you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I want to hear this. It's challenging. This is going to be a challenging series. It's going to challenge us to be more like Jesus. And not just talk about it, not just sing about it, but to be more like him. Love suffers. Now, what do I mean by love suffers? The first characteristic of, of love is that it suffers. What I mean by that is I'm not talking about love suffers sickness, love suffers being under the gun and never getting ahead, because Jesus died on a cross to set us free from those things. Right? So you don't need to suffer what Jesus came to set you free from. So what kind of suffering is he talking about? I'm not talking about suffering, uh, uh, foregoing, uh, not, not having the promise. How many of the Bible says the, the Bible says God has given us exceeding great and precious promises? How many of you know he's promised you that he'd meet all your needs? He's promised you you'd be healed. He's promised you to be an overcomer. He's promised you you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. How many of you know he's promised you those things? The suffering's not saying, well, I'm just going to give up those things forever. Just write them off. It's not important. I remember the Lord told me this once before. I've shared it before. The Lord told me, never diss the promises that my son died for. See, some people will say, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not prosperity or healing. I don't need those things. I just, I mean, realize Jesus died for those things. So if you're saying you don't need those things, you're saying they're unimportant. What he did was unimportant. That's not right. So I'm not talking about those things. What I'm not saying you just write them off and ward them off and take some vow of never. No, but what I am saying is, is that love will sometimes say, you know what, even though I got these things, I'm going to sacrifice these things. Right? That's tough. To know, that's even tougher than giving it up. To know that you got it, but to lay it down so, you don't, so somebody else can have it. And so love suffers long. Part of success as a believer is measured by this. Listen to me. This is the definition of love, and this is what we should be pursuing. Then part of success of a believer is measured by how much are you suffering for the sake of love. Whoo. Right? How much are you making a willful choice to say, that ain't going to be easy, but I'm going to do it. Right? Because that's what love is. So we, and, and why do I say that? Because I don't, as a church, I'm going to teach on the blessings of God. I'm going to teach on the promises of God. But I don't want to be a group of people that are chasing God for his blessings. I want to be a group of people that are chasing God for his love and his blessings, therefore chase us down and overtake us. That's a difference. See, there's a lot of people that serve God for what he can do for them. But what Jesus said was, this is my first commandment. If you're going to serve me, you need to be willing to lay down your life, pick up your cross, love other people. Hopefully y'all are getting this, right? I hope I'm not taking anybody off. <laughs> but if I am, I am. You just go have to live with it, right? Because this is what God calls us to. 
This is the life to which we're called. John 13, 34, read it again. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. A command is something that you obey. I said it last week. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commandment. And so we're called to walk in this love. And remember, we're not talking about getting to know this love just by mentally doing it, but by proactively saying, I'm going to do this, right? I mean, I will tell you this. If, you, if you're coming to church and you're willing to hear what's said from the platform that is biblical and from the scripture and walk away and never do it, you'd be better off just laying at home sleeping in the morning. Now, I don't want you to do that because I believe sometimes you get on a slippery bank, you just go slide in at some point, right? So come on out. But there has to come a point in our relationship with God where we say, you know what, I'm going to do this stuff. I'm actually going to do this. So what that means is, is if we do what we talk about over the next many weeks, probably going to be on this for about two and a half months, if we're going to do this, by the end of this, we're all going to be different. People are going to notice a difference. By this, people will know you're his disciple. And so notice what it says here. It says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. He says, don't just hear it, but do it. So let's just, I want to talk to you this morning about the first, just the first characteristic of love. Now, we said love suffers, right? Overarching, it's going to require you making willful choices to put down your flesh and do what you don't want to do sometimes. And sometimes do what your mind says ain't going to work. But here's the first quality of love, because I'll tell you, when I talk about this first quality of love, I grew up in a house with a daddy that just knew how to get stuff done, Right? He just knew how to do stuff, right? I mean, he, and he was, I mean, if something needed to be done, he'd get it done. People that know how to get it done struggle with this sometimes. Because what he's going to tell you to do is how you need to lay down getting it done and allow him to get it done. Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. Everybody say preferring one another. Notice the, one of the characteristics of walking in love is preferring one another. We live in a world where love is so misperceived. You know, we're in love because we feel a certain way. We're not in love because we feel a certain way, right? <laughs> we think we're in love because of the way we feel. But God's love has very little to do with the way you feel. God's love, the agape kind of love. Because, you know, there are certain types of love about how you feel, right? There's amorous love, there's, there's eros love, there's physical love, right? There's different kinds of love. But this kind of love that Jesus talked about is the agape love. It is a love like God has. And that love has nothing to do with the way you feel. It has to do with a, a choice at times to prefer someone. <laughs> what does prefer mean? It means to put them first. See, here's the thing. Marriages and relationships don't fail or struggle because of offenses or falling in and out of love. They fail because of a, a lack of showing the love of God, the agape kind of love. They lack because of preferring someone before yourself. See, that's why our closest friends and spouses should be people whose number one priority is not getting something out of life or getting something out of you, but it is someone who says, my priority in life is honoring God by showing his love to others. 
other person that doesn't have that as a priority has the potential, well, anybody has a potential, right? But any other person that lives that way, I can promise you that they will eventually hurt you. Why? Because you ain't number one in their life. Something, God isn't number one in their life. Something else is. And so that's why, you know, it's important for us to prefer one another, to live in a relationship and to show the love of God and to show love of God to one another. It's an attitude that says, I am going to prefer you first. And I got to tell you, young people, when you're thinking about someone that you, that you want to spend your life with or someone you want to commit your life to, if you're not married, whether you're young or old, you say, if, if you have not married them yet, you are not in covenant with them yet. Right? You're just figuring it out. You know, I watch young people all the time. They're in relationships, and I mean, it's a train wreck, but they're like, we're just working on it. Why are you working on it? Run for the door. Like it's a five-alarm fire. Why? Because you ain't committed to them yet. You're just trying to figure it out. And when you're trying to figure it out, you need to find somebody who loves like God loves, so, and, and you love like God loves. Then, as I always said, you'll be happy as two bigs in a bucket of poop, right? Yeah. But if you ain't got somebody, that's why the Bible says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Somebody that, I mean, when you mean an unbeliever, well, they, they got baptized once in their life. No, I mean, are they committed to him? Is he a priority? Because if Jesus is a priority, then you'll be a priority because they're more concerned about putting you first because Jesus said so instead of what you're doing for them to make them happy. Amen. Come on now, say preach it, preach it, preach it. Love prefers though. So if you're in a, how many of you realize we're a church family, we're in covenant together, right? If you're married and family and your family, your brothers, your sisters, you're in covenant with them. That's something you, it's, that's your life. Right? For those individuals that are in that position in your life that you've stepped over the line from checking it out to, hey, I'm in covenant, you need to make it a priority that you're going to prefer them. Now, does that mean we don't prefer people? Absolutely. We love people in the world. We prefer them. We're we going to give. We're going to, you know, do whatever we need to do, right? That's important too. But when you're talking about lifelong decisions, you need to measure it by the quality of who God's, the character of who they are, right? Amen. And so love prefers. What does it mean to prefer one another? Prefer means this. It means to surrender the lead. Y'all ready? This is going to get hard. It means to surrender the lead, to be the first to defer and bless. So what prefer one another means is you embrace an attitude that says basically this. No, let me let you go first. You know where that's demonstrated the best? Let's just have a big chicken cookout. Let's see who gets to the first of the line and runs over people to get to it first. See, now you preach a message like that, the next chicken cookout, nobody's ever going to eat, right? You go, no, you go, you know, you go. And then we get in fights about who goes first. No, but love says, I'm going to let you go first. The love of God decides to put that, th this attitude. I have to look out for me. It puts that in the back seat and puts I have to look out for you in the front seat. Now, this is the way of Jesus. Now, I've got to tell you, this may go crosshairs to people. You know, sometimes you just got to look out for yourself. Sometimes you've got to stand up for yourself. Sometimes you've got to draw a balance. Listen, when it comes to somebody you're not in covenant with, absolutely. Put up the fence. Run for the door. 
But in the relationships that count in your life, the people that are going to miss you the most if you're gone. <laughs> Whoo! You need to prefer them. You need to say, it's not about me, it's about you. That's what real love does. Think about it for a moment. If you prefer something, you pick it over something else. You know, just naturally speaking, you go to dinner today and they say, do you want tea or your tea person, right? You want sweet or unsweet tea? You're going to pick what you prefer and put the other one in the back seat. That's what this is talking about. It's not hard to understand. The love of God says, I'm going to put you first. See, that's why marriages fail, because we start thinking about what we ain't getting, what we don't deserve, what we don't, we, I don't deserve. When we start thinking that way, we're selfish. You say, well, when am I ever going to get mine taken care of? I'm going to deal with that in a minute. But I ain't the first question you should be asking if you're asking that question, because there's a heart change that needs to take place. See, God's love says, I'm going to, you go first. Some people say, well, you just, you know, that works in Christian, like, I don't work in business. Tell Jesus it didn't work. He didn't qualify. I can tell you right now, the best brands out there are the brands that have considered how can I make someone else's life better, not how I can extract something from them. There is a better way of living than fighting to get your own. God's love says you first. That is hard. i got to tell you, for me as a believer, I've taught them to, well, you know, well, what about priority? There's sometimes, listen, at the end of the day, how many of you realize when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he didn't qualify it with priority, but in this case, in this priority, don't. That's our human nature jumping in. He just said, you need to love. If he asks for your co 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 coat, give it to him. He says, walk a mile, walk an extra one. That's hard, man. Jesus just left it sitting there to simmer. So why do we feel like we got to qualify it and say more than Jesus said? See, what he said is we need to love. Now, now, why would love do that? Now, let me show you why love would do this. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let, notice what it says. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Notice what that verse says. It says that to walk in love, you need to be void of self-conceit or ambition. You need to be void of conceitedness. See, at the heart of not being willing to put someone before yourself is an attitude of, I'm more important than you are. You've got to quit doing this to me. You don't understand me. More important. I'm more important than you are. Have you stopped for a minute and tried to see it through the lens of the other person and say, why try to understand them and love them and put their need first? You say, but I ain't going to get mine taken care of. I'll I just tell you up front, yes, you will. You just won't have to take care of it yourself and fight for it. And anything you have to fight for, you're going to have to fight to keep. But when God gives it to you, you ain't going to have to fight for it no more. <laughs> it's just going to be there to bless you. 
See, notice the word conceit. So think about it for a moment. When we don't put the needs of others before our own, what are we saying? We're saying, I'm more important than you. You say, yeah, but, but in business, you know, I, I, you know what, I can't do it. There. Why not? Is Jesus not big enough to back up his promise to take care of you in business as he is in your personal Christian life? Come on, man of faith, woman of faith. Rise up. Believe the truth. Notice the NIV of this verse. It says, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Everybody say be humble. In humility, consider others better than yourself. What does it say there? It says consider others better. Consider others. Consider others. Considering something is a choice you make. It doesn't mean they deserve it. It doesn't mean they've earned it. It means to consider. It means I'm going to make a conscious choice to place them above myself and serve them and bless them and meet their needs, even at my own expense if I have to. Amen. Amen. How many of you think if a church caught on fire, just the few people we have with that attitude, people would notice a difference? <laughs> Amen. It means we treat people like they're the most important and we value them even if we think they are not or do not want to. We consider the waitress who didn't get our meal right more important than our meal being right. We consider the guy that pulled out in front of us and slowed us down from getting to our destination two minutes earlier than we would have gotten there more important than us. And we relax for a minute and say, well, I'm just going to enjoy a couple of minutes with Jesus before I get to where I'm supposed to be. Right? <laughs> it means I'm going to consider my family members' needs more than I'm going to consider my own. See, do we really do this? Do we do this in every encounter with the people we meet that are in our lives, even the most important people? Do we stop for moments in our life to say, this person is important. They're valuable to God. They're God's little boy or God's little girl. Do we stop to do that? We should, as a matter of fact, we're commanded to. And that's what a church should be. That's what a church should be. A place where when people show up, they really, truly don't just hear you say it. They experience it. Why, that, that, this, that these people love me more than they love themselves. They're willing to sacrifice. They're willing to give. They're willing to serve. Why? Because they love me. Notice this is what Jesus did, Matthew chapter 20, verse 27 and 28. It says, and whosoever shall be chief among you, let him be servant. Oh, there's a key right there. <laughs> that, that's a real key to life. That is, a, that is a nugget you could dwell on for the rest of the week. What about me? Well, what about you? If you want you taken care of, just be a servant. You want to get to the top rung? And, you know, that, that, that sort of redefines, we all need to redefine what top rung is, right, if we're going to walk in love. Does that mean you're always the richest guy on the block or the smartest guy in the room? No, what it means is, is you're in the top rung in God's eyes. And if I'm right in God's eyes, I'm not going to care what man should do to me because he's got my back. Amen. See, what is our motive each day? Is it our heartbeat to get up and say, who can I put first today? I'd encourage you tomorrow morning when you get up, Matter of fact, maybe write it on your mirror. If you've got a lipstick, write it on lipstick. Who can I put first today? When you get up and look at it, say, all right, today, 
It's going to be a successful day if I found somebody to put before me. Woo! What a different way of living. Right? But that's what Jesus has called us to. Remember, and remember this, this is the key to the full and happy life. John chapter 15, verse 10 says, If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. And as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So it says, if, you, if, you're, if you're doing what I ask you to do, you're going to be a beloved person. You're right, you're going to prefer others. These things I have I've spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. You want to know what people are looking for in life? People are looking for love, and the reason they're looking for love is because they want to be happy. Ain't no money in the world that can buy it. Ain't no position in the world that can buy it. Ain't no job in the world that can buy it. Ain't no place in the world that can buy it. There's only one thing that can satisfy true joy in your heart, and that's being where God created you to be and enjoying the things God created you to enjoy. And what he says here is, is if you walk in love, you'll find that joy. Right? Every accomplishment that's been done for the kingdom of God that's mattered to anything has resembled this. Someone that said, you know what, I could care less about me, but I care more about you. <laughs> now, let's get to this one. There are those that would say, but what about my needs? If I just keep putting my needs on the back burner, I ain't ever going to get my needs met. Well, I would tell you this, that's why it's important for you to figure out who you're going to covenant with, because if you covenant with a selfish old cuss, you go give and give and give, they're going to take and take and take, and it ain't going to be satisfying. Right? But if both people will give, you ain't got to worry about it. And I got to tell you something. If you're in a situation where both people aren't giving, do what God says to do, and he will take care of you. Amen. But I got to tell you, the, you know, the, the person that would even ask the question, but what about my needs? How are my needs met? There is growth in love that you need in your life if you're asking that question. Everybody say, Pastor Tommy loves me. I got to tell you, I, I was telling Delisa this week, I, I'm going to teach on this for 14 weeks, and I felt like by the time I get to the end of the 14 weeks, the Holy Spirit's going to say, teach it again. And at the end of that 14 weeks, the Holy Spirit's going to say, teach it again. And at the end of that 14 weeks, the Holy Spirit's going to say, teach it again. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't teach on this subject for the next year. Just walking in love and showing love. See, because if you ask the question, what about my needs, you forget about what Jesus has promised. <laughs> Remember, the answer is found in what about my needs in the command. Remember what the verse we read at the very beginning. It says, in brotherly love, prefer one another. It says, in brotherly love, prefer one another. So here's the answer. What about your needs? Your needs will have to wait. Can I get an amen? That should make people shout. I'm about ready to run. I'm, I'm preaching myself happy. Y'all looking at me like a calf at a new gate. Like, what's he talking about? What about your needs? I'll tell you about your needs. Your needs got to wait. Your needs got to wait if you're going to walk into God kind of love. Now, I didn't say you had to give them up. Why can we do this? Let me tell you the first reason. I'm going to I'm gonna get to why about your needs in a minute. Can I, can I get there in a minute? Why can we do this? Let me tell you the first reason you can do it. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Some people say, well, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. I can't walk in. I, I can't prefer that person over me. Mm -mm, not that one. Some, some of them, but not that one. 
I mean, they just are weird. They just, they don't know, I can't do that. They sort of make my skin crawl when they do things. I can't prefer them over me. He didn't qualify it, but here's why you can. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given us. How many of you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Raise your hand, make the devil mad, make Jesus glad. If you have done that, then this is what this verse says. The love of God is in you. Your flesh may not want to do it. Your unrenewed mind may not want to do it. But down on the inside of you, you have the God kind of love, and you can prefer others. You can show love to others. You have the ability in you to do it. But notice 1 John chapter 3 and verse 6. It says, we know what love is. Now, you want to know why you can love like this? This is the answer. <laughs> we know what love is because Jesus gave his life for us. That's why we must give our lives for each other. So what he says there is, says, is we know what love is. That word know again is that word epignosis. We have experienced what love is because Jesus gave his life for us. There is an experience with Jesus that will give you the ability to be able to love like God loves. And it's not just you gritting your teeth and saying, well, bless God, I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. There is an actual experience. As I said this morning, Jesus is real. He is here this morning amongst us, whether you see him, sense him, or feel him or not. And the opportunity to experience, to truly encounter the Jesus that rose from the dead is here this morning. And when you stop for a moment and look into the sacrifice of what he truly did for us and the Holy Spirit reveals that to you, there, there, there's a welling up, there's a knowing that takes place on the inside of you. And when you've been touched by that love, what that says is that's why we must, not, not like must like you got to do it, must because I'm compelled to do it. Man, he's loved me so I can't help but love you. And so we have to love. You see, spending very real time regularly and thankfully meditating on the sacrifice that Jesus made for you is what changes you and allows you to love and not ask the question, what about my needs? See, the sacrifice of Jesus is more than a story written on pages. It actually has the capacity to supernaturally and in reality change your nature. It really does. So my question for you would be, when is the last time? You know, I, I'm going to put myself out on a limb and expect God to honor his word right now. When was the last time you truly experienced Jesus. He said, call upon me and I will answer. It is through those moments of giving ourselves to him and seeing what he did for us that our life has changed and we can love like he loved. And that change provides for us valuable, a valuable promise that will take care of the what about me that we often so often worry about. Musicians, as you come. See, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 19 says this. It's 11.52. Got eight minutes to get you out of the door. It says, when we love others, this is from the contemporary English version. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19 through 23. It says, when we love others, we know that we belong to the truth. So here's the deal. This is really important. 
If you can't prefer others, if you just don't prefer others, let me put it this way. I'll say it again. If you can't prefer others, you need to question whether you belong to the truth because that's what the truth says. You say, but, but I've accepted Jesus. Then, then guess what? It's in you and you can. You just need to make the hard choice to grow in love. It says, when we love others, we know that we belong to the truth and we feel at ease in the presence of God. Dear friends, if we feel at ease in the presence of God, we will have the courage to come near him and he will give us, he will give us, he will give us, he will give us whatever we ask because we obey him and do what pleases him. What, 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 what's obeying him? What pleases him? Is it not smoke and drink and chewing, running around with those who are doing? No, because there's one commandment that fulfills it all, right? Love. Love will cause you to stop doing some of that stuff, right? If you walk in love, then you can know that whatever it is you desire, he will bless you with it. You may not get it overnight. You may have to sacrifice getting it. Why? Because you're walking in love. But he will take care of you. God wants us to have faith. Notice this. This is important. God wants us to have faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and to love each other. That's coupled together. He wants us to have faith and to love each other. So what that tells me is this, is you can't love each other if you don't have faith in Jesus. And I'm not talking about faith that he died for your sins. I'm talking about faith in the fact that he said, I care for you. I will take care of you. If you don't have faith in that overabiding truth that no matter what, he's got my back. All things are going to work out together for the good for me. I ain't got to worry about putting him first and me not getting ahead. I can just do it. I can just do it. I can just do it with a smile on my face. Why? Because I got someone taking care of me so I don't have to take care of myself. Amen. See, God wants us to have faith in Jesus Christ and to love each other. This is also what Jesus taught us to do. <laughs> when we begin to grow weary of putting others first, it's because we have stopped believing. Now, can I, get, can I share with you personal testimony of me and the journey as a pastor of this church? Can I, can I share that with you? We've been around 21 years. And the first seven years were like a rocket ship. I mean, we went from six to 300 in seven years. Ain't 700, ain't 300 here bro, right, right now, right? And then what began happening in our church was, and you know, probably, I, honestly, probably because I'm just not the best leader in the world and I made mistakes, I just, I own it, right? But what began happening to me is, I'm telling you personal experience, right? What began happening to me was people began to leave that had committed that they would be here, right? And it hurt as a pastor. And because it hurt as a pastor, I began shutting off my heart and began to say, and I'm going to stop putting myself out there. And as I shut off my heart and put, to stop putting myself out there, we kept shrinking and kept shrinking and kept shrinking. Why? Because I wasn't walking in love. I was bitter over what people did, even though I said I wasn't. I still remembered. Every time it came to light, I had to talk about it, think about it, mull it over. Instead of saying, you know what, I chose to forgive it and forget it. I'm not touching that in my thought life no more. Right? 
And as a pastor, what wound up happening is I began to get hard. I did the very thing. Yeah, and, and as this began to transpire, I'll tell you just an interesting story. As this began to transpire, I was invited to go to uh, uh, Brazil to preach a, 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 a minister's conference. And I went down there and preached that minister's conference. And they had me preaching for three nights, but I knew God sent me there for one message. The two other two nights were just, just, just fluff, to be honest with you. But there was one message he had me teach on, and it, was, and it was this simple message, don't become a crusty old preacher. That was the title of it. And what I meant by that is, is when you get hurt, ooh, and this is speaking to some people right now. I didn't know where this was going to go, but this is speaking to some people right now. When you get hurt, it causes scars. And because of that, you shut yourself off. You wall yourself off. Sometimes you wall yourself off in ways that people would never know you're doing it. You smile and you're nice and everything, but on the inside, you know you built a wall. You built a wall. Maybe in your marriage, you've gotten hurt and you've built a wall. Maybe in your personal relationships, you've, you've gotten hurt and you've built a wall. You said, I'm never going to love again. I'm never going to trust again, right? That's where I was at. I'm just being honest with you. But about a... A couple years ago, God began to deal with me and say, that's not right, Tommy. You need to keep loving. You need to be what you preach to those people in Brazil. I wasn't just giving you that message for them because, you know, how many of you realize, I'm going to tell you something right now. When God gives you a strong message on something, it's typically because you're about to go through it. <laughs> oh, no, he's teaching about, you're going to have to walk in love. I got to tell you, as closer we get to Jesus coming back, you're going to have to walk in love. As a church, we're going to have to walk in love. Oh, look at those rotten people out there. Abortion and all this. We got to love people. I'm not saying it's right, but you got to love them. Right? So I walled off my heart and I just said, but I got, God changed me. And, I, and, and my attitude over the last couple of years has been I could care less whether we finish a building or don't. I could care less whether we have a fancy All I care about is, Lord, help us be a people that love each other and love God and serve people. And I got to tell you, if we never grow beyond this group of people, but we grow in love together, when Jesus comes back, he's going to be happy with us. If we're a people that say, no, you first, not me. If we're people that fight over who gets the fried chicken first at the cookout, good for you. Amen. Not because you want it first, because you're telling him to go first, right? No, you go, no, you go, no, you go. That should be, that should be the problem, right? See, and why can we do that? Let me tell you why we can do that. I just want to read to you a couple of scriptures just to reassure you of something. Can I talk to your selfish nature a little bit? The reason I want to talk to your selfish nature is because I want to kill your selfish nature with these verses. Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all. Woo, that's shouting material. His tender mercies are over all his works. You can love because he'll be good to you. He'll be good to you. Come on, say God is good. Psalm 103, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Man, when you put others first and you love God first, this is the God that's looking out for you. See, there's a lot of believers right now that are not experiencing this because they're looking out for them. They're striving, they're fighting instead of saying, how can I give? How can I be more loving? 
Psalm 122, verses 1 through 8, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. Not from the hills, from God. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. But if I put others first, He will not allow your foot to be moved. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord shall preserve you from evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. This is the God we serve. This is the God asking us to prefer others. And if we prefer others, this is what He promises He will do for us. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another, giving preference to one another. We can do this because He did that for us. I just want to show you what He did for us and then we're going to close. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3. Put yourself aside. This is the Message Bible. Sometimes it's really good. Put yourself aside. Get over yourself. And help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourself the way Jesus Christ thought of himself. Here is our Savior. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave and became a human. As the scripture said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He saw us as more valuable than himself. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. <laughs> People yelling at him, people accusing him, people misreading him. I mean, he was God. You don't think that was difficult? He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. May our eyes be open to see what Jesus did for us in such a profound way this morning that it touches us, that it changes us on the inside so that we can say in the relationships that matter most in our life, I put you first. So that we can say to every person that is not a part of our connected family or our physical family, even to them we can say, I love you enough to prefer you. Amen? John chapter 13, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How many of you are willing to grow this morning? How many of you willing to wake up tomorrow morning and say, who can I put before myself today? Amen. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.